The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I want you guys to know I strongly considered trying to sing a uh, butchered rendition of the times they are a changing, but change it to the ADPs they are a changing. And then I thought that's the worst idea I've had in four years of doing this particular podcast. And so instead, I just told you about how lucky you are that I didn't do it. That's right. Pat myself on the back for that. So. That is a circuitous way to pat myself on the back. I am a narcissist, and we all learned that this morning. Good day to you all. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a hoop ball presentation. They are, of course, hoop-ball.com, at hoopballfantasy on Twitter. If you want to give them a follow, I am, well, my name on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please do give me a follow. You can also just Google search Dan from Hoopball. It's super easy, super duper easy to find if you do it that way. Dan from Hoopball, you don't have to find my last name. It'll just pop right up there. I said on yesterday's show, I probably should just change my handle to only best person. You don't even have to know how to spell Dan anymore in that situation, which I realize doesn't exactly eliminate the hard part. But look, if you can find me, great. Uh, Please do. Please do. We do a lot of business on Twitter Um, As I've mentioned on shows uh, over the last week and a half, and as I'll do very quickly here at the beginning of this one, the the key reasons for that is, number one, I do a lot of fantasy analysis on Twitter that, you know, things that happen not when I'm recording a podcast. I I mean, it's it's very easy during a nine-month COVID offseason to uh, just wait for the next show to come out. But during the actual NBA season, stuff happens every day. You know, this show comes out at 10, 11 something a.m. Pacific time most days. And then you've got a 24-hour break between shows where if something happens and you need quick info on what's going down, well, Twitter's where that's happening. I know it makes me a little bit of an old man now. That used to be you were old if you were on Facebook. Now you're ancient if you're on Facebook. Twitter is now for the regular old people among us, myself included. I have not fully figured out uh, Instagram or you know, whatever the kids are using these days. But yeah, do do follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Uh, and also, you know, more in the short term, we are building out the wait lists for hoopball leagues. They're full. They are drafting. They are, and honestly, if you hit me up right now, I, I really can't guarantee anything. But we'd love to get as many of you guys involved in hoopball leagues as humanly possible. Andre doing a wonderful job of keeping it all organized. And again, if the waitlist gets long enough in the next day or so, we can open up a league that starts drafting on, I don't know, say Saturday. We'll set the timer on the the slow draft a little bit shorter, make sure it's done before the season starts, and you get yourself in a sweet hoop ball league. We got $50 leagues, Roto Cash, head-to-head cash. We also have free leagues, head-to-head and Roto. They're all 9-cat. They're all over at Fantrax. They let us host leagues without actually being in them. So join uh, like at this point now, multiple hundred of your fellow listeners and hoop ball readers and some hoop ball pros are interspersed in those leagues. I don't know which ones you'd get dropped into. Uh, probably the waitlisters would not include a pro, but uh, you never know who comes out of the woodwork, who you might have a chance to beat or lose to, <laughs> as it were. 
So, uh, yeah, hit me up on that, at Dan Vespers. Or, and this is actually important, I know I've talked about the recruiting stuff, what we need the most right now, DFSers. If you guys are DFSers out there and you thought to yourself, you know what, I think I could probably, you know, talk on a podcast about this, or I could probably write a short article about this, or I could handle a, uh, you, you guys get the idea. If you could, if you want to jump over to the other side of the curtain, hit me up, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com, an opportunity to work under the brilliant minds of Mike Patria and Santino Cocon with this fantastic, fantastic DFS team that we're building out here at HoopBall. If it's NBA, you do stellar. If you do DFS for a couple of different formats, or different leagues, I should say, that's awesome, too. Uh, shout out to the just the the stellar group of guys that are are busting it on that uh, on that DFS side. I want to make sure that I get all their names into today's podcast because they are working hard and they're getting ready. The preseason starts in I think two days, so we already mentioned Santino, Mike, uh, David, Aaron, Brenton, Steve. You guys have been awesome. Keep kicking butt, man, and and. If the rest of you, if you guys want to join that that unit, give me a holler. Okay, that's the stuff for you. That's the uh, the reasons I give out my Twitter in addition to my, as I mentioned earlier, my rampant narcissism. I also want to mention here uh, the Fantasy Pass. $4.99 a month for a limited time. Go get it. How much money have we won for you guys on my bookie? How much money have we won for you guys in your fantasy leagues on this free podcast? We put out... 200 of these damn episodes a year of this show. I never miss it. Monday through Friday, every week, I ask very few things in return. One of them is five-star reviews on the pod. You guys have been incredibly gracious on those. Thank you very, very much for that. The other one is, you know, this is the time of year where we sell some stuff at HoopBall. That's that's it. I mean, like, we have to, uh, we have to pay for stuff. We got to keep the lights on at HoopBall. And the Fantasy Pass is a great way for everybody to win. We keep the lights on, and you guys get the best damn fantasy package in the industry. It is the biggest draft guide in the industry. It is the Brewski 150, updated as of two days ago. There will be another update, I believe, coming tomorrow to the B150, as Aaron continues to adjust it to late news, preseason information, and other stuff going on. It's incredible, by the way. 9 out of 10 on the aggression scale. 10 out of 10 on the usefulness scale. It also has the DFS pass built into it. The guys we were just talking about. It also has the in-season tools built into it. Get it for $4.99 a month over at hoop-ball.com. That's the fantasy pass. Tell them Dan sent you, and they won't care. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the changing Yahoo ADP numbers because it's, it's dramatically altering the way the first two rounds in particular are beginning to shake out. But that will come after our daily guest And I'm very excited to bring in a guest today for the very first time on Fantasy NBA Today. Let's jump right into it. Excited to talk to this guest. We've we've, we've commiserated online via social media in some leagues. We've done some drafts together, some mocks together, and it didn't really occur to me until we were just about to hit the record button, but this is the first time we've actually spoken on a a traditional podcast. So uh, welcome to the show for the first time, Joel Bartolotto. Uh, this is this is kind of cool. He's uh, By the way, Joel is a, uh, a writer over at Rotowire. You can follow him on Twitter, 
at Bartolotta Joel. That name is B-A-R-T-I-L-O-T-T-A Joel. You should be able to spell that, but if you can't, J-O-E-L. Uh, give him a follow immediately. Joel, what's going on, man? It's good to have you on. Hey, I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's it's good to get back into fantasy basketball and be doing drafts, and I just can't wait for the basketball season to start. Yeah, it's, it's been weird, right? Because you like, I tried to shoehorn myself into caring about some of the stuff that was going on and and like from a yeah you know, from, from a fan standpoint and from a the betting standpoint weird. yeah it was really weird it was kind of easy to bet on actually with everybody on the same neutral side oh, i agree uh but from a fantasy side it was i don't know a massive li- i know you do you do more dfs stuff i i don't dabble in that uh so i what was that like actually what was dfs in the bubble like um DFS was pretty crazy, to be honest. There, there were some ga- like there was like the Brooklyn team where you just have <laughs> nobody you knew even playing. Like Chioza <laughs> would find his way into our rosters, and it was just it was pretty nuts. And uh, it, it was difficult to be honest with you. <laughs> so I was glad when the playoffs started for DFS. Yeah, I was gonna say so. Happy to get back to a little bit of normalcy, and I feel like that's. Yeah. I mean, if we can call it that, things are. Uh, screwy right now. Hopefully the season goes off without too many hitches, but we're just gonna we're just gonna assume things are there's some kind of control outside of maybe Houston these days. Uh, but I don't, you know, here I am saying I don't want to try to date the show, but yeah, things are things are a little funky. Regardless, uh, Joel of course is on as part of our. This is sort of like this the mock season. I think I'm spelling that S Z N if I'm doing that right. Where uh, we now refer back upon the results of the video industry mock we did on December the first, uh, Joel, you had the always enviable eleventh pick, which yeah, it's, uh, yeah no puts you, puts you in a tight spot. So we're just going to start at the top, work our way through. You have one uh, interesting note on your team before we even get started. You have, by all accounts, the only team with a with a purposeful at least punt anything build in this in this uh, format. How did you? Is that something that you found is happening as you end up towards the end of the first round? Or were you just like, you know what, screw it. This is a mock draft. Let's let's go nuts. You know, I'm not necessarily afraid to punt in drafts. I've done it quite a bit. And it just kind of fell that way with this one, to be completely honest. Just the guys that the guys that I felt were the best values at the time just kind of fell into my punt strategy, just which is free throws. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> and, well free throws and three pointers, to be honest. I was gonna but say I feel, I feel like people like are gonna team. people are gonna figure that out here shortly, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was just a, I was just <laughs> trying to accumulate stats, honestly, like points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. I felt like I was getting perfect players for that, and I think I'll be in the top three in all those, but it just I just oof, the threes and <laughs> <You're> <laughs> threes and free throws are not there for me. <laughs> yeah, you're looking back at it now. Yeah, I, I don't I didn't pick out the threes as quickly as you just did, but now sort of scanning through your team. Yeah. That, that, that could maybe be a point of contention, but regardless, I think I could, if we went deeper, I think I could stream threes to be honest, but yeah. And you know what? Like there are guys that you take in mock drafts that maybe wouldn't go quite the same way, but it's still, it's, it's a yeah. nice, let's talk about it a little bit. Cause it's, it's kind of a nice and interesting thing to look at when, you know, I'm going to end up talking to a dozen hand or uh, uh, pros here. And very few are going to be talking about what they were, building around as opposed to just sort of like you know trying to take the most the best available player or trying to sort of shore up different individual categories and and you're the you're the one and only we're going to be talking about here from the punt side so let's start at the top you'd pick 11 you went with lebron james in the in the first round uh punting free throws sort of mitigates the 
the fear, I guess, of rest days, because, you know, looking at looking at last year, if you get rid of free throws, LeBron becomes even more of a monster. So yep. is that kind of the, the reasoning there where we know he's probably going to rest a few games, but if you if you yank out one of his two down categories in nine cat, well, then kind of who cares? He'll be so high on a per game basis. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Yeah, punting aside, I, I do think LeBron was probably the best player there. I, I, I still think it's surprising to go outside the top 10. I, I, there's just kind of this people, – people just think it's going to be that year every single year for LeBron, and I'm just not sure we're ever going <laughs> to see that year, to be honest. Yeah, I, he's, kind of a, he's kind of a machine. Um, yeah. 69.7% on free throws pre-bubble. We'll go pre-bubble numbers last year. If you pull that out – He's the number eight guy on a per game basis. And as we saw last year, if you're in that top seven, eight, nine group, are, even if you miss a few games, you can hang out pretty dang close to that and probably stick inside the first round regardless. Mm-hmm. If I'm not punting free throws, I'm a little bit more concerned. Here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate for a moment with you on LeBron. What do you think about the quick turnaround? We know he was one of the big voices in wanting to start the season later. You know... I'm not too worried about wrestling with these players, to be completely honest. I think all these players have had plenty of rest over the past six months or whatever. And I think that was more Danny Green talking than LeBron. And (laughs) the only times I see him wrestling are when they play, I don't know, five games in a week or something. And he needs one day off in a back-to-back. I only see him wrestling maybe three games this year or something like that. Interesting. Okay. Let's uh, shuttle along to pick number two. That's your, it's close here. Again, you're, Pick 11, so there's not a whole lot of mm-hmm. time to rest. Uh, Bam Adebayo is the next one who had a I wonderful love, year. I um, love Bam Adebayo. And another guy who shoots sub-70% at the free throw line. If I'm, uh, you know, I'll look at totals last year. He's unbelievably durable. He did also, like LeBron, go deep into the bubble. But mm-hmm. if you're looking at pre-bubble stuff, played in every single Heat game, 65, all of them, uh, and pull out free throws, he was number nine last year by totals lebron by the way by totals was number six before the bubble last season so you pull free throws out you got two first rounders on your team right now uh, yeah well i've got a lot of stats so far and that's that was kind of my goal here so <laughs> what do you think stats what do you think of, of bam moving towards this season well because again he, he kind of had this shortened off season not a whole lot of time to work on stuff what does his game do year over year or are you just saying look if you do the same thing again and you give me the durability i'm good yeah that's that's exactly how i feel if he just does the exact same thing as he's he's an absolutely amazing player and there was like when i was looking at the players i was thinking about taking kevin durant but then i was like i cannot do lebron and kevin durant together that would be just way too risky then bradley beal devin book i i was considering sga and kyrie irving but I don't know. Bam just brings so much to the table in, in everything he does. Rebounds, blocks, steals. He even provides assists at the center or the power forward position. And he, he's an amazing talent, honestly. He could get better, which is crazy to think about. But even if he does what he does, I'm I'm happy. Yeah, you don't have a guard technically on your team yet, but your guys are averaging about 16 assists yep. between the two yep. of them. And you kind of went the same direction with pick number three in the draft, coming back now towards the end of the third round. With ben this is Simmons. where I started the punning right here. Yeah, you, <laughs> you started to lean into the turn here. <laughs> uh, ben Simmons, of course, a 63% foul shooter last year. But again, if you pull that out, he was number 10 by totals last season before I, the bubble. I was shocked to see him fall to the end of the third round, to be completely honest. So 
at that point, I was just like, all right, let's let's just try to win these accounting categories and go from there. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, Simmons, by the way, 17, 8, and 8 on the year last year. LeBron was 26, 8, and 11. Adebayo was 16, 10, and a half, and 5. Uh, and, and you may be surprised to hear, again, that you still don't have a traditional guard on your team. But you do. I know, it's weird. Just a couple picks later, at number 38, John Morant. Okay, let me, let me, I'll fight you a little bit on this one. Not, not because yeah. I actually necessarily feel like it's required. I just think it's kind of interesting to, to break a guy down. Where does he make his giant leap this year? And it's not me saying I don't believe that he will. I actually do think he takes a step forward. Uh, but explain to me, and then sort of through me to the listeners, how a young player like this can, can make leaps in places where it can be a little bit surprising. Well, this this is honestly not one of those where I'm going to give you stats or tell you, you know, like anything fantasy analyst-wise. I, like, you just see something incredible when you watch this guy. And he's, he's what, like 21 or something? And yeah. he's, he's just well on his way to becoming a superstar, in my opinion. He's one of the only guys who goes in the fourth, fifth, sixth round who I, who I could see being a, a first or a second rounder come this time next year. But he's he's also got his fair share of risks, but... I, I, the talent there is just absolutely incredible, and that's kind of why I took the risk there. All right, okay, I'll I'll, uh, I'll allow it. Uh, we'll get <laughs> my strategy though. The uh, the end of round five, and this is another fun one to talk about is John Wall, who uh, yeah, yeah. I mean things have things have changed a tiny bit since the since we had this draft. I think he was still in Washington when we did this, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah, I lose track of the days here very quickly. So this is pick fifty nine, and uh, again we we almost we kind of have to timestamp this this recording just a little bit to say you know nothing has technically happened in Houston as of this moment, but there's there's a lot of ugly happening in Houston right now, and you know if if James Harden does inevitably seemingly now get moved, John Wall somehow i mean he may end up oh, back in the driver's seat so uh do we think i'm not going to ask you about john wall here because this was drafted under different circumstances let's talk about him in more of this uh in kind of a broader philosophical sense where can he go this year from a stat standpoint like what what are some of the possible routes that this year takes with wall could could he end up being a, a guy that just has infinite usage, do you think there's going to be who who maybe comes back in a James Harden deal? How does how do you see the season playing out for John Wall now that he has been traded? Well, personally, I don't think James Harden is going to get traded. But if he did, John Wall would definitely be the number one option on this team, no matter pretty much who they got back. And he'd probably be looking at like maybe a thirty percent usage rate. And if and if he does that, he's probably like a, a second-round player. That's what he used to be, at least. Hmm. But uh, even even with Harden, I think they'll get up and down the court enough that while we'll be able to provide, you know, eight assists a game or whatever, score as usual, 18 to 20 points, and just grab a handful of rebounds, get some steals, I, I think he's a good value in the fifth round, end of the fifth round. Do you trust that he has juice left in his legs i'm looking back to uh, years i you know he was a 20 and 10 guy for yeah kind of a long time but percentages weren't good turnovers are high how does is it does I mean, something the reason he's going at the end of the fifth round is health obviously and right but i don't know like he, he's been out for the last two years i think he, sh- he should be ready to go uh 
I guess we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'm just, you know, I'm figured I'd challenge you a little bit. I don't, I don't have a massive problem with this. I, and again, you know, drafting under different circumstances, there's, he, he's a guy Are right now that can, risky? yeah, I mean, there's without question on the risk side, yeah. but it can go in so many different directions. You know, if he, if he goes back to taking 18, 19, 20 shots a game, then mm-hmm. who know, like at that point, the usage be, can kind of overwhelm some of the, the bad stuff with him. So that's, I think what you're weighing there a little bit. Uh, Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, he could be a, oh, sorry. Go ahead. He could be a Westbrook light from last year, pretty much in my opinion. Eric Bledsoe is the next pick. Uh, early in the sixth round, this would be pick uh, 62. I lose track of the numbers relatively easy here. Uh, this is one of the earlier times I've seen him go, actually. So I, I'm curious. I like him as a value play in New Orleans, and he's a guy that I, I've totally misread where his ADP was going to be this year. I thought it was going to be way low. Like, I, I thought people were going to be taking him in the 90s, maybe even past 100. Seems like he's going closer to 75 in most leagues, and you got him here mm-hmm. a little earlier than that. You know, when you're near the turn, you don't really have the luxury of waiting to see if somebody gets back to you. What do you think, uh, or what are you expecting from Eric Bledsoe this year in terms of production and, and kind of where he ends up at season's end? Well, uh, Eric Bledsoe is actually probably my favorite value of the season to this when looking at drafts right now, because uh-huh. I've seen him go in the same spots. You have like 75 or so. Yeah. And that just absolutely makes no sense to me. Bledsoe has been a fourth round player for pretty much. I, I think I, I think he's been a top 50 player in four of the last five years. And he's been doing that with Giannis the, recently. And he's in New Orleans now and maybe the most up-tempo team in the league. And he'll see a bump in usage and maybe even a bump in minutes. I, I just think it's a perfect situation for Bledsoe. And so considering I was at the turn, that was the only chance I was going to get him. So had to get him there. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured was going on there. Uh, looping way back around. It's hard, by the way. Can I let, wait? Let me pause the analysis for just a second before we get to your late seventh round pick. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I think, deals with having a pick either very early or very late in a fantasy draft differently, regardless of whether, you know, you had pick one, two, obviously you'd you'd rather be at the front end if you're going to be stuck near a turn, so to speak. Uh, Mm -hmm. You got stuck near the back end. How do you, how do you plan for drafts where you, you know, you make two picks almost in a row and then you have to sit 15, 20 minutes sometimes before it comes back to you. What what are you doing during all of that downtime? Are you, are you building out a queue? Are you running numbers on your team? How do you stay focused? And also, you know, how do you avoid going too early or too late on guys? That's probably the hardest part is trying not to go too early or too late on guys. Like, like guys like Bam Adebayo and Eric Bledsoe, I probably took a little earlier than I should have, but that's the only chance I had to get them, obviously. Yeah. But when I'm, when I'm waiting, I don't actually mind drafting at the end or the beginning just because it allows you to like think about it and just evaluate all the guys that are available. And then if, if guys get taken, you have a, you kind of have a backup plan for every, everything you want to do. And I don't know. I, I just don't really mind it. To be honest, I, I like picking 12th or first just because you get the bang bang or whatever, and you can kind of do what you want. Right. You don't have to you worry about it quite a bit, but yeah. yeah. So you're looking at it from the more optimistic standpoint, which is look, I can knock out my guys. I'll go get my guys. And then I can mm-hmm. kind of, it gives me a, a a bunch of time where I can really set things. I can watch what everybody else is doing. Eleventh, yeah, certainly tougher because you, you also know, you, at eleven you also get to see what the the guy in twelfth is doing. And if you see that he's building some sort of strategy, you can just you kind of know what he's going to do instinctively. But he, I couldn't really tell with this one, but sometimes you can. That's a yeah, that's a good point too because you can. It's you're you're almost like 
you're effectively you can let go and then you know that he'll be there the next time right you're effectively on the turn if you can figure out mm-hmm. what the guy at 12 is doing and so you you create this artificial back-to-back where you yep. don't have to worry about every single team going between you and your next pick all right all right that's interesting i can buy it i i still think it's kind of hard uh at times i know the only times I almost I ever get stuck in drafts are when I'm way down at the end and I build out like a seven player queue running down around and the whole thing just gets wiped out and I'm thinking, oh, holy crap. I, I like feeling. Yeah. And either you're reaching 15, 20 slots down the board for your next guy, or you're looking at it like, all right, well, everybody's passed over this dude, and I didn't really plan on taking him, but he's still there, and then you end up getting a guy you didn't really want anyway. But uh, Mm -hmm. anywho, uh, seventh round, we can dive back into the picks here. Seventh round, the, uh, I admit it, I've I've pretty much lost track. I think it's pick 83 now. Victor Oladipo, which, you know, I guess there's a little bit of risk there, but not as much as some of the other guys, because at least he's playing coming into the season. We don't know if he's 100%, but we know he's well enough at this point. Isn't, I mean, could he be worse than pick 83 this year that feels like a floor for him and it it did feel like a i'm not even an oladipo guy but that felt really late to me and i kind of feel the same way i do about oladipo as i do as well it's just it's just a great value there and he's got the potential to be a third fourth rounder or whatever and i don't know it's you see they change coaches he, he could be a good player this year yeah what's the what are the worst and best case scenarios for oladipo let's uh, removing catastrophic injury from injuries yeah uh worst case scenario is probably what he did last year i guess which i'm not quite sure off the top of my head maybe i can maybe 15 points a handful of rebounds handful of assists something like that but uh yeah and that was you know largely coming back from injury he was kind of showing signs right before the season shut down and then he didn't really look all that great in the bubble but yeah he didn't look bad you know, he had 20 and, you know, five and three or whatever it was in the in the yeah. playoff games and so forth. Like, he, you know, he wasn't Oladipo of the, the, you know, the whatever it was two years ago when he got traded Indiana and went completely nuts with two and a half steals a game. But I don't know, like, I don't I don't see how he's any worse than, you know, 19 and five this year. Mm hmm. No, that that's that's what I agree. And if he, he does nineteen and five, he's better than a seventh rounder. I agree. All right, your eighth round pick was my least favorite fantasy player last year. <laughs> so as much as I've yeah. I've I've been I've been uh coming up with all the good things on everything so far, and Julius Randle pissed me off more than anybody. He was the guy actually that I sort of panic picked when I got stuck on the turn after my cue got wiped out, and he killed me, and I've been whining about it like a little baby for the last thirteen months now. But but I will give in to the fact that he's, you know, he's not going near 60 this year. He's going near 80 or 90, which is a different, that's, that's very different. It's two and a half rounds later. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it as much here. I'm a little worried about it. Sell me yeah. on Julius Randle. And I know you're in a, I know oh. you're in a punt free throw build. So I'll give you that also. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to sell you on him, but end of the eighth <laughs> round, I got another guy who will provide points, rebounds, and he, he gets some assists out of the forward position. And I don't, the Knicks are just so bad. He, he'll he probably just be the same guy he was last year, which is perfectly fine at this spot, to be honest. And I, I wasn't really happy with it either, to be completely honest. <laughs> but we're, we're at that point of the draft where you just, if it looks like a decent value, just go for it. Why I didn't want Josh Richardson actually to pick before me, to be honest. 
Yeah, that one. Uh, no, I think that might have been right after you, right? If we're coming back now. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I I don't I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Just the hell with happen, it. You know, Th- throw them in the garbage. I'm okay with that yeah. too. Uh, pick number nine. Okay, this is this is a fun one. Now we're back into we're back into interesting stuff. Aaron Gordon, who. This is something that I've been talking about with uh, a few different folks, actually, as we've we've gone over some of these uh, results, which is, and I think it ties in a little bit to the, what I said on Eric Bledsoe, which is when a season ends, when last season ends or when the bubble ends or, you know, whatever end point you want to talk about, one of the things I try to do is figure out what is the public perception of this player? Where, Where will they go next year as I begin to, kind of early build potential targets. And every year I've thought, surely this will be the year that everybody finally sours on Aaron Gordon. And year after year after year, he just kept going in the 50s and 60s. And I kept thinking, what's happening? Why, Why hasn't this changed yet? He's still averaging 15 and 7 on pretty nasty percentages, and no one's adjusting anything. And all of a sudden now, I don't know why this is the year, all of a sudden, people hate Aaron Gordon. So last year was the one. Last year was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I find it weird because he was really, really good the last Mm -hmm. 15 games of the regular season last year. It was the first time I actually looked at him and thought, oh, he figured something out. And now everybody hates him. I don't get it. Can you make sense of that to me? And if you can't, just tell me about the pick. <laughs> I I can't make sense of that, but I, I saw I noticed that stretch just like you did, and just seeing even a two week spin like that will just it, it impresses you. And he's got all the talent in the world. And I just looked at his age; he's, he's he just turned twenty five years old. Like this this guy has all the potential in the world, and maybe he's just a late bloomer, which, which is weird to say for a 25 year old, but, and I don't know, Orlando doesn't really have that much going for him in terms of like playmakers. And they were actually using him as like a pseudo Blake Griffin sort of type player. Yeah. And if he, if he can do that, like that's awesome. Yeah. That, uh, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to look at a couple of the numbers. I think it was basically from the all-star break on. So I'll, I'll, Try to get somewhere in that neck of the woods. I don't remember exactly yeah, what day that was. I'm actually pulling it up right now. I can take his numbers from. So it's basically like the last February 10 to on, games. pretty yeah. much. He was at 15, 9, and 7. Seven assists over that stretch. His last 20 games, he averaged 16.9 points, 8.7 rebounds, 5.3 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.9 blocks, shot 47%. Yeah, still can't make a free throw. Three, surprisingly. Yeah. And and you sort of I think you throw the free throws out, which again for your team build actually. Yeah, yeah, I don't care about the free. He shot sixty eight point eight percent from the free throw line. But even even without that, he he suddenly was this weird top forty, top fifty guy that everybody was kind of hoping would emerge, and, and it just it exploded. Orlando went to a, a faster offense. They started yep. using him more as a passer out of the high post and kind of this this weird point forward thing going on, and it unlocked mm-hmm. all this stuff that. In my mind, and it's funny too, because I don't want to like say that I saw this coming, because I definitely did not. I'm very much <laughs> out on Aaron Gordon for like three years in a row here, and oh, I thought, too, all right, yeah. at some point he's gonna have to fix his percentages. That was what I was selling to myself. That was gonna be the thing that brought him back into discussion. He didn't really fix his percentage. Field goal got a little bit better. It was assists 
that turned out to be the thing. I yep. never saw that coming, but for you to get him at, what is this, 107? Absolutely. Yeah, Why know, not I, take a shot there? I probably would have switched him and Julius Randle, to be completely honest. If, <laughs> looking I don't back blame now, you. But I don't whatever. blame you. Um, okay, so I like that one. I think there's upside there. I think if the Magic continue to play fast, especially getting him after 100, it just... I don't know, Joel. I, 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 do you play this game at all where you're like, what is the public going to finally do with this guy? Because it happened with Blake oh, Griffin. He, he and Blake Griffin, it's it's the same year. Both of them, the, the public finally hates them both in fantasy. Mm-hmm. It, it took a half a decade, but they're both now finally getting drafted late. And uh, I don't know. Can you call it a post-hype when it takes five years for the hype to wear off? I guess. I think you can when, he's only 20, when he just turns 25 years old. I mean... Yeah, what about what about Blake Griffin, who's like what thirty? <laughs> well, I don't know if you could yeah. call him a post type, but yeah. Blake post- Griffin could be salt. Where did he he went the same? He uh, went like around about ten, yeah, about about ten picks earlier. Yeah, that that's that's a solid pick too, in my opinion. Yeah, I know these are guys that I was hard avoid red flag for the last multiple two, three, four years in a row with Blake, and now I'm looking at him like, okay, well, you know, you finally fell far enough, and your tenth round pick is. One of your yeah. one of your safer ones. I mean, it's it's a little boring, but he'll be fine this year, right? That's Terry Rozier, and you you seem you seem dejected by it. Yes, I mean he seemed like the best player available, and he'll provide you know another guy who will provide some points, rebounds, and assists, and he's he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. That's okay. They don't all yeah. they don't all have to be talking points. He's fine. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, okay. So here's sure. the let's let's unwrap the present at the end of all of this. You already mentioned Eric Bledsoe was one of your favorite kind of sleeper types. Do you have one yeah. more value sleeper type guy we can we can use as well, a, Bledsoe a gift here? Was my favorite sleeper on my team, but you're you're you might like this because it's an old guy. But I, I'm Lionel Horford going in the seventh yeah. round. Yeah, see that's a sleeper because he's actually asleep. He's t- he's taking yeah. a nap in yeah. the afternoon. Yep. That's old man sleeper style. <laughs> Six year olds got to sleep. <laughs> taking a nap i love it so let's talk about al horford for a second because i've 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 hyped him on this show already i have i have only one fear with big al and we'll see if you agree or disagree with by the way feel free to disagree with me on this that sometimes is better radio anyway um everybody says this is chris paul 2.0 which i generally agree with and a veteran going to okc to rehab his value and get shipped off to some team to go compete yeah that that all seems pretty reasonable on paper the one thing that that sort of sticks in my craw and and it's not enough to take me off of him especially not in a roto uh games cap nine category format type league is that with chris paul he was trying to shake a couple of things he was trying to shake the the tag that he was getting too old but he was also trying to shake the tag that he was too injury prone and so i feel like last year he played extra and and he got a team into the playoffs, and in the process, he was like, look, I'm not injury-prone, and I'm not that old. With Horford, I don't think anybody thinks he's injury-prone. I think we mostly just think he's old. So all he has to do is go out there and look good on a shorter-term, smaller scale. So I'm a little worried about rest days on a terrible Oklahoma City team, but overall, his per-game numbers are going to be so high that I kind of don't care. Mm-hmm. You agree, yeah, I, agree, disagree, feel free to fight me. I'm, I'm fine with anything. <laughs> um, I, I pretty much agree with you. I mean, the motivation thing, he, he's obviously not going to play the same motivation as CP3. I mean, they're they're going to be a really bad team. And that's probably what worries me more than anything is that they could be, you know, 
just resting him in the last week of the season because he's just they're yeah. just so far out of it. But he's he might be like the focal point of the offense, and I don't think he's really lost it at all. Like if you look at the games that he started with and beat was out, he was pretty much the same player he was in Boston. And if if he does that in the seventh round, he's he's an amazing player. Yeah, he's uh, one thing that's also kind of lost on last year with Big Al is that he played a lot of power forward, which is a terrible mm-hmm. spot for him on yeah. the floor. Like his his field that's goal percent. Point. His field goal percent got crushed by moving away from the bucket. That probably I mean, comes back a little bit. There's a lot to like Horford? there. What's that? Who's behind Horford on the depth chart? I can't even. It doesn't think matter. Of it. <laughs> it's so bad. And who, it who's matter. in power forward? Is it Muscala? Uh, Mike Muscala, Vincent Poirier? Poirier? Oh, the, the Poirier or whatever? Yeah. yeah. I mean, just look at like. He, he should be forced into playing 35 minutes a game and. He'll be getting the ball a ton in the post. He'll, he'll, he'll actually provide like five assists a game too, I think. Yeah, you know, that that actually doesn't seem crazy at all because he was at four with Philly last year and he wasn't even yeah. a primary orchestrator. At 30 minutes, you know, you, you're right. You could see him at 32 minutes a game, 33, something like that, and then just yeah, 35 rest him. It, but yeah, 30, 32. <laughs> uh, give him give <laughs> the, the back-to-back talk. Well, we only have half of their schedule, so we don't know exactly how many back-to-backs they'll have. It, I got to think he rests most of those. Uh, but again, I don't care. Sure. I don't, but do you, yeah, I mean, I, I hope you're he, right. He didn't play. Like, it's not like he's been worn down with minutes the past few years playing off the bench. You know, like he, I don't need to get, did he play 30 minutes a game last year? Right on the nose, actually 30, right on the nose, right on the button. 30 point. Yeah. 30. I think he'll want to play him back to back. So I, I guess we'll, that's another one where I'm not quite sure. Even if he doesn't, I don't care because yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't either. Honestly, I mean his 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 per game was in the sixties last year. I think early sixties in maybe arguably the worst scenario it could have possibly been. It, there's just no there's no way that he's not better he than that. Last year, uh, that was yeah, that was unusual. Uh, I love it, Eric <laughs> Bledsoe, Al Horford, and in fact, both of your sleepers are kind of old men types. That's, yeah, it's weird to call Eric Bledsoe an old man, but yeah, you're blowing me a nature of the NBA. You're blowing me a couple of kisses with these choices here, and, <laughs> and I'm, I appreciate that. Um, awesome, Joel. Thanks so much, man. This was great. Can we do this again? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm down. I, I love your show, Dan. I'm I'm down whenever. I appreciate that. He is Joel Bartolotta. Bartolotta Joel. If you want to follow him on Twitter, just you know, reverse the order. B A R T I L O T T A is how you spell the last name. Writer at RotoWire, contributor many places. And according mm-hmm. to your Twitter bio, not a fan of Marvel and Star Wars. We'll see. Uh, if, don't bring that up. We'll see if people fight you on that at the end of the pod here. I snuck that in there. Joel, thanks a bunch, my man. Uh, yep. Thank you very much, Dan. Take it easy. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? Big thank you to first-time guest Joel Bartolotta, drafting out of the unenviable 11-hole in our uh, industry mock drafts. He just sliced my finger at some point today, and I can't figure out when that happened. So... Uh, yeah, if I'm, you know, bleeding all over the microphone setup, you'll, you'll excuse how that goes. Uh, wanted to spend a tiny bit of time here, uh, but not that tiny, I guess, a few minutes between the interview and the end of the podcast, going over some of the adjustments to Yahoo's ADP. And I, and I don't have the exact tracking data in front of me, but there, there are a few names that are jumping out as interesting. And I think, uh, you know, what? The, the indication, at least, is that this is a result of Yahoo's projections and their sort of pre-rank, X-rank, whatever you want to call it, that folks do see 
in their draft rooms. Quickly here, a reminder that all HoopBall podcasts are brought to you by our buddies at mybookie.ag. mybookie.ag. A few of you guys hit me up yesterday about a couple of uh, promos, not odds boost stuff, but a couple of things we're doing with them. Feel free to continue to reach out on that front. Uh, if you're going to sign up, make sure to use promo code HoopBall. Mybookie.ag is the website. Again, use promo code HoopBall when you sign up. That way they know who sent you, and we can all win a whole bunch of money together. I'm really hoping that we're going to get some NBA odds boost stuff, maybe for Christmas games or maybe for the start of the season, but I got to think that that's right around the corner. Some cool promo coming up over there. So again, uh, if you want to get involved, if you're interested in sports betting in any meaningful way, first of all, follow our gaming division at HoopBallGaming. Uh, also, hit me up. I, I may have an interesting promotion to kind of get you guys uh, hooked for life here on on the sports betting stuff. It's so much fun, and we're just sort of slowly grinding out a profit. Our guy Mike Larson coming off that nice 3-0 and NFL Sunday. Uh, we, had a, we had a push, I think, in our soccer match yesterday. Troy's got another one going here in the next couple of minutes. So, uh, yeah, get in with us. MyBookie.ag, promo code is HoopBall. And, of course, over at Manscaped.com, promo code HoopBall20. Get your 20% off and free shipping. They've been great. You guys have been great, by the way. Manscaped, reach out to us recently. Shout out to uh, Kyle over at Manscaped. They want to extend their our partnership for, like, almost half a year. Really excited about that. That is just a, a sign that you guys have been getting their stuff. You guys have been liking their stuff. They're enjoying working with HoopBall. That's so cool. So thank you, guys. You've been amazing. Uh, we're going to keep that partnership going. Again, that's HoopBall20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. These ADP numbers that jumped out at me that, I, again, it's you know it's not that I can say, hey, this is what it was before, this is what it is now, because they make it extraordinarily hard to export this stuff. There's a lot of cutting and pasting and comparing. But when you look at it every day, a few things become flagrantly obvious. First of all, uh, Luka Doncic has firmly planted himself in the number three slot on Yahoo. As you might recall, when we did our Yahoo ADP analysis that started a, almost two weeks ago now, it was Steph Curry that was actually in that three spot. Steph now has slid all the way down to sixth. Dame was up there, I believe. He was in the four slot. Cat, uh, Giannis, all these guys were in front of Luka, who now has jumped them all. In addition... Giannis is at number four. This is actually, I believe, really good news for those of us that love playing nine-category Roto Leagues. This is extraordinary because Luca, his pre-rank on Yahoo is two, which I presume is uh, based on a few different formats rolled in together. Um... You know, they've got him up there with James Harden in overall value, like uh, within one three-pointer of Harden, within like three points per game, out-rebounding him by a ton, out-assisting, same exact number of turnovers in their projections. Harden's whopping free-throw advantage. They've, you know, there's largely been canceled out there. They have Luka ahead of Anthony Davis in 9-cat format rankings. I mean, this this is really interesting. I don't want to rush through this stuff too much, but you know people have drafts every day right now, so I wanted to point 
really, really focus our attention on the spots that that I think are going to have the biggest impact. So, you know, a guy like Steph dropping now to six, uh, Carl Anthony Towns dropping to five, Jokic to seven, Dame eight. Uh, you're looking at last year's draft all over again, but with Luka inserted at three. Guys, pause and try to remember 13 months ago. We were having this conversation. James Harden, Anthony Davis, Giannis, Cat, Steph. That was the top five last year. Jokic and Dame were right behind them. And then it was everybody else. Like LeBron was in there. Uh, who the hell else was towards the back end of the first round last year? Listen, the point of it is, somehow, after these the early drafts have now been kind of uh, tidal waved out by more recent drafts based largely on the Yahoo pre-ranks. And we've talked about this before as well. The closer you get to opening night, the more closely attached ADPs and Yahoo's projections are because you get more people that are relying heavily on Yahoo's built-in numbers, the ADPs, the X-ranks, the order of names on the list. The very first drafts that happen are usually the craziest diehards. The general public isn't drafting a month and a half before the season starts. The crazy people are. So those drafts actually probably more accurately reflect where guys should be going. I mean, I'm always going to disagree with things a little bit, but like think back to a few weeks ago, uh, you know, Dame being up at 4-5, Steph being higher, Giannis being much lower. These are people... Those drafts were people that really paid close attention to last year. Giannis was number 22 on a per-game basis in 9-cat. He was the single worst free-throw boulder weight in the entire NBA. Sorry, he was 19. Missing 3.5, more than 3.5 free-throws per game. And almost 4 turnovers a night. He was not a good 9-category roto basketball player last year. He hurt you more than he helped you in a lot of categories. Not in everything, obviously. You're not going to be a second rounder if that's the total case. But here he is at four. ADP four again. He's done nothing lately to show me that he should be four. In fact, his defensive stats have been trending down as his playing time has trended down and as the fact that they're just swarming teams has trended up in Milwaukee. They don't need him to be blocking everything and stealing everything. Just make a ton of shots, grab a ton of rebounds, do some assists, have a great field goal percent, and then who else? Who cares beyond that? Meanwhile, and like, listen, we 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 need to be clear about all this stuff. Giannis was slightly better by totals. He only missed a handful of games last year, but it's still a few. He was number sixteen by totals. The top four in totals last year were Harden, AD, Jokic, and Lillard. Steph was hurt most of the year. Cat was hurt most of the year. You can likely slot those guys back into that top group. But again, like Luca by totals was 28. What I want to know about Luca is is there something besides the free throws that people expect will change a lot this year? Because dude took 21 shots a game last season. Like he was fantastic. He was brilliant on the basketball court. Led to one of the most efficient offenses in NBA history in Dallas. I have no issue with Luka Doncic as a basketball player. He is awesome. And he is appointment viewing at this young age. But he was already at 29-9-9 with three threes. Where is he going? 
Is the field goal percent going to be better than 46 when you're taking that many shots? Not usually. What else can change besides free throw? Now, listen, I admit it. If free throws got better, he would move up pretty fast. Like if nine free throws a game at a net negative clip gets better from, you know, he was at 28 by totals. He was better than that by averages because he did get knocked around a little bit. He was uh, 26, I think, by averages. Like pretty easy path into the second round, even towards the turn if the free throw percent comes up. But number three and nine cat feels just not right. So suddenly now, Luka and Giannis in that top four means, at least in my estimation, that your your juicy pick range extends a little farther now. Three weeks ago, I started to think, geez, if you get the sixth or seventh pick, you're going to be stuck with a weird choice in your draft. And you might still, like you're likely to be in drafts with people that are decent at basketball, I would think, but... One of those two guys, Luka or Giannis, I bet goes in the top four in almost every single league now. Based on the fact that their ADPs have moved them to the top of the board and Yahoo's projections have moved them to the top of the board, someone in that top four in your fantasy league is probably going to get hornswoggled into it. Now, if you're in a head-to-head league, it's a different bird. And if you're in an eight-cat league, it's a different bird. Obviously, you can punt in head-to-head. You can give up on turnovers in head-to-head. Eight cat, obviously their their turnover situation doesn't matter. But nine cat roto, which is what we build off of on this show, there is just no reason why those guys are ahead of some of the dudes behind them. Just no reason. So suddenly now you might get the sixth pick in your draft, and you might be thinking, crap. You might end up with cat. You might end up with curry. You might end up with Dame or Jokic at eight all of a sudden now. Those guys were going in the top. Four, five, six before. Now you got a little bit, you got a little more leash. Dame is number eight. Trey Young is nine. LeBron is 10. LeBron at 10 is too early. I know everybody's like, nah, he's a machine. He's not going to rest. He's going to rest a little bit this year. He, he there's, there's, I, I just, I don't know how it, he was 10th uh, by per game numbers last year. It was eight by totals. He was just super durable. I, I don't know how he possibly goes plays in like 92, 93% of his team's games, again, in this in this whacked-out season. I, I just, it's going to be 90% or lower. It has to be. Now, he can still be very, very good. This is still LeBron we're talking about. Um, but his his duties should dial back at least a little bit. Yahoo has him projected at 12th, so this probably isn't moving very much. The other big jump, I thought, at least here in the early, or, or the, the first round, is uh, that Devin Booker now is a first-rounder on Yahoo by ADP. He's number 12. He's moved all the way to the turn from... uh, He was early second round before. It's not like he was deep behind this, but he was like 15, 16 range, and now he's up at 12. But of course, as guys move up, to me, the more interesting thing is who's moving down. You know, as Trey Young, Giannis, Luka, all these guys, as those guys begin to move up, Jason Tatum is actually the guy that has slid back now to 11 as a very safe pick towards the end of the first round. I like that one a lot. Kevin Durant is still jammed in there at 13, Kawhi 14. Joel Embiid at 15, that's a little bit earlier actually. He's trending up a tad in uh, in fantasy right now, and it's because ta-da, Yahoo's projected him at 15. 
He's moved to his ADP. Bradley Beal is sliding because of the Russell Westbrook trade. There's actually a chance that by draft day, he ends up as a value, which I didn't think was going to be the case before, but he's dropping. Bam Adebayo at 16, likely to be a tad overdrafted this year, but, you know, pretty safe second-round pick. Uh, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, these guys are solid late, mid-to-late second-rounders. John Collins has slid all the way to 22. Russell Westbrook has jumped now all the way to 21. Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, these guys are kind of where they were before. So uh, just in terms of what we're looking at here with that first and second round, I think the stuff to take note of today, if your draft is coming up in the next one to two days, two things to take note. Luka, Giannis, rocket boosting up the board for uh, reasons unbeknownst to me. Nothing has changed in either of their situations, but other than more public drafts happening and people sort of buying the, these guys are going to fix their free throw stroke thing, which might happen. There's some probability it happens. I, I don't know what it is. You know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's 15% for Giannis. He gets it fixed in like 30% for Luka. Maybe less, maybe more. We don't know. But banking on it is dicey at best. Uh, so again, Steph, Cat, those are the guys that are falling as a result, which is just magical. Devin Booker, Joel Embiid trending up. Bradley Beal, uh, I'd say John Collins trending down, Westbrook trending up, things to watch as you head into your draft. This is important, by the way, and this will be our last thought before wrapping it up today. The reason that trendings or trends like this and, and watching them is important is that you can start to, to make a plan. Your league should give you your draft position at least 24 hours before your draft. Don't, don't do the, like, you sign in 15 minutes beforehand and you, then you know where you're drafting. A week ago, you looked at the turn and you thought, you are almost 100% locked in on a pair of wings. Because all the guys going at the turn were wings. LeBron, who, you know, obviously an assisting wing, but still a, a small forward, power forward by body type. Jason Tatum, wing. KD, wing. Kawhi, wing. Beal, small wing, shooting guard. Devin Booker, more of a shooting guard, I guess, but still kind of in that same mold. There were no point guards, and there were no centers going on the turn. And amazingly now, thanks to movement, it's actually become even more pronounced because Adebayo has slid back, Trey has slid forward, and you've created basically like a five-player, almost a six-player run of shooting guards and small forwards at the end of the first round. And what I think I would do here is just kind of lean into it. You know, uh, you could try to, you could grab a Joel Embiid, but that's risky. You could reach a tiny bit at 13 and take a bam out of bio, but you've sort of capped out his value at that point. You're probably stuck. If you have pick 11 or pick 12, you're probably going to end up with two either shooting guards or small forwards. And so then you have to look towards the you know 34 to 40 range and see what guys are floating around there. What choices do you have? Well, uh, Chris Paul's floating around there. Andre Drummond is floating around there. Do you reach a little bit for a Demonis Sabonis? Drew Holiday, Freddie Van Fleet. What do you do in terms of guard centers at the end of the third, fourth? So this is a problem. If, you're, if you have a pick late, if you're a, a late number, 
you could end up with three wing-type guys after three rounds, and you might have to just sort of ram yourself into something else. You might not end up with a center until the fifth or sixth round if you're not if if you you know if you don't keep an eye on it. And you know me, I'm always a fan of taking best available player, but that you know eleven twelve range has, and you can and you can tie it into the thirty five thirty eight chunk. Uh, I guess we pick eleven through pick fourteen, and then pick thirty five pick through pick thirty eight. These happen to be areas this year that are very wing forward shooting guard heavy and not particularly point guard center heavy. You may not have a choice but to go take a guy who's a little bit off their ADP. You know, if you if if you want to do it early, maybe you reach a little bit and take Bam at 13. I don't think I could take Embiid. His injury stuff is is terrifying or you know if you really want to reach down the board deandre Ayton, john collins are a bit farther down um or do you take care of your point guard at that spot i don't i don't know how you would do it there really aren't any around there and then look ahead and say look okay well make my decision am i going to go two forwards slash shooting guards here on the turn and then when i come back around at 35 36 37 38 range do i reach down the board a little bit there you know, do I take an Andre Drummond? Nurk will probably be gone, but maybe he'll be around. Do I take a Mitchell Robinson, Demonis Sabonis? Those are kind of the next centers that are you know, still a solid round away in ADP. Uh, there are a couple of point guards in that range. Jamal Murray, if he falls that far, is sort of a point guard. Chris Paul, De'Aaron Fox, Drew Holiday, Freddie Van Vliet. So there are some point guards near the second go-around of the turn, but there just aren't centers there aren't centers near pick 12, and there really aren't centers near pick 36 that are going off the board. Very few. So plan ahead a little bit, and understanding you know where these ADPs are shifting can help you build your team or build a plan for your team on draft night. Let's put a pin in this discussion. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about uh, in the, the coming days. Tomorrow, we'll continue our discussion. We got pros every damn day here on the pod. Again, big thank you to my bookie. Hit me up. Uh, we do have some prizes over there, some promos going on. Love to tell you guys about that. Manscaped, uh, HoopBall20 is the promo code there. And, of course, the Fantasy Pass for $4.99 at hoop-ball.com. Buy it and make me a happy podcaster. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, all of you guys joining us for the first time here in our run-up to the season. I put my hands together and I bow to you. I hope you'll stick with us for the long term. And if you're liking it, again, please do drop a five-star review on the show. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am Dan Bespris. If you can spell it, you can find me. We'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody. So long. This has been a hoop ball presentation.